We get the privilege of opening up and finishing out the beautiful book of Ruth. So if you would turn to your Bibles to Ruth 4. Ruth chapter 4, and we will read the whole chapter. Once you have your place, if you would stand so we could read God's Word together. Ruth chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And then he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know. For there is no one beside you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilian and Malon. Also Ruth, the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. That the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah. Ephrathah. Yes, that's how you say it. And be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and she conceived, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman, the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter in law who loves you who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the woman of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadad. Aminadad fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. Let's pray. 
Lord God, it is an amazing thing that you have sent your word. Lord, you have given us your, your word. The word for your people of your goodness, of your mercy, of your grace, of what you would have us to believe and to do. We thank you that now, as we have opened your word, Lord, we are now ready and able to hear from you. Lord, give us ears to hear. Lord, we need you in this time. Bring this word to our hearts. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What is your name and who are you? If you could only use three words to describe who you are, what would those words be? What is the deepest essence of who you are? And when you think of yourself, you can think of many ways to describe yourself. You could think of your job and say, oh, I'm a contractor. Or you could think of yourself in relation to others. I'm a father or a son. You could think of your hobby. I'm a pickleballer. Or you could think of your shortcomings in your sins. And you can think, when I think of myself, I think of a, an alcoholic or, or someone who's angry or a discourager. But if you could only pick one thing, one thing that in every circumstance and in every environment was true about you, what is the truest thing about you? The one thing that is lasting and that covers over every other descriptor of who you are. Well, our identity orients our lives. It's what we're living for. Your identity, who you are, gives you worth. It's what you desire above all else. It's the one thing that you cannot go on living without. This morning we get to see this love story, this beautiful love story of Ruth and Boaz. And as it concludes, we see a change of an identity. When God thought of how he could write a story to show his people what real, true love is, he not only wrote a story, but showed this story, played this story through this couple. And as it concludes this morning, we get to see the Lord's priority. What does the Lord want us to see? What is the conclusion? And as he concludes, we see that love is not about me. It's not about how I feel. When God thinks of love, he shows us a guy. And this guy takes notice of a nobody and a rebel. That was who Ruth was. That was her identity. Those were her names. And this guy cares for her and goes out and redeems her and marries her. That's what love does. It changes the entire person, their desires, their worth, their goals, their time. When we fall in love and when we marry someone, who we are significantly changes. You go from being a lazy slob who all you think about is college football and pizza, and you go to being a husband and eventually, Lord willing, a father. And that means that everything that was true about you before has now significantly changed. Now, personally, maybe college football and pizza isn't the, uh, the best way to think about this, but still, spending time with my wife and children takes precedence. This love from Ruth in chapter 4, this love that God would have us to know is one of bringing someone out of their sorrow and out of their suffering and their lack and bringing them into a relationship. And that relationship changes this person forever. 
The emphasis in Ruth 4 is the restoration of this name. The restoration and the redeeming of this name. The desire of Boaz is to perpetuate the name of the dead. Back in uh, uh, Ruth chapter 1, Naomi has gone from pleasant to bitter. From Naomi to Mara. But now here in chapter 4, Boaz changes the name and the identity of Ruth from a rebel widow to a cherished and beloved bride and a member of the family. Here in this text, God is equating names and identity. They're the same thing. Your name is the description and the essence of who you are. So here in chapter 4, we get, to, we get to watch Boaz as he goes out and he changes the identity of Ruth and Naomi. As he redeems the name of the dead and transforms the identity of these women, we see three points. First, that this change of identity is official, that it's sacrificial, and that it's beneficial. It's official, sacrificial, and beneficial. As we read this text, we can't help but see the great lengths that Boaz goes to make sure that he dots every I and crosses every T to make it official. As he has left his house that morning, we see now chapter 4 open up with Boaz going straight to the city and sitting down. And he goes to the city gate. And that's where all official business transactions would take place. And he waits. He waits for this Redeemer to walk by. And in verse 1, he does. And Boaz asks him to turn. Turn from what he's doing and sit down. And then he gets ten elders of the city, more than enough witnesses, and tells them to sit down. So now all of them, these twelve men, are sitting ready to deliberate and witness this transaction. And as they're sitting, Boaz begins the transaction and he lays out the first part of this contract in verse 3. This is why you are all here. But he begins with informing the Redeemer that Naomi is selling a parcel of land that belonged to their relative Elimelech. To us as readers, this is a surprise. We hadn't heard of this land before, but that's exactly what Naomi is trying to do. Now, this doesn't actually mean sell. Uh, you can't sell and you couldn't sell land in Israel. The land was all God's land, and God divided that land and gave, uh, divided the land between those families. But what probably happened is that when Naomi and her husband Elimelech left Bethlehem to go to Moab, Elimelech sold the rights to the land, sold the rights to farm the land. So while the land was there, when Ruth and Naomi came back, they couldn't farm the land. It was leased out. And Naomi knows that she has no way to buy out this lease to bring it back into the family. She can't. So what she does is she proposes that one of her redeemers would buy back this lease so that they could farm it on their own. So that the family could farm the land again. The purpose for Naomi for this is the redeemer that would buy back the lease and who would farm the land, they, that redeemer would then be responsible for caring for Naomi. She would get a little of the produce that they would farm. And for the redeemer, it means that when Naomi passes, he gets the land as his own. So it makes total economic sense that the redeemer would buy back this lease. And in verse 4 we see, 
that Boaz, Boaz is honest with this man and says that he has first right, but if he doesn't redeem it, that Boaz will. But the Redeemer doesn't take that option. He says, no, I am excited to purchase this land. This is the only way that people could get more land. Money has no power when land cannot be sold. So this Redeemer agrees to it. Yes, I will repurchase the land from the leasers. But that's only half of the contract. Boaz brings the other half in verse 5. He says, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in this inheritance. Not only is there this land and this one widow who is too old to have a child, but there's this other widow, Ruth. And she is young enough to bear children. And when you purchase the land, you also acquire this widow. And you are to be a husband to her. And you are to make sure that she has children. So that the name of the dead can go on. That was the desire of the Lord in His law. But at the mention of this other widow, Ruth, this Redeemer quickly refuses the offer. It no longer makes financial sense. So the Redeemer officially declines the offer. And He says twice, I cannot redeem it. I cannot redeem it. He gives the right to Boaz and said, He's so excited to refuse this offer that in verse 8, it seems as if he's not even done saying, buy it for yourself, and all of a sudden, already he drew off his sandal. Again, a a way to make this transaction official. Drawing off his sandal was a custom to confirm and to attest a transaction. You would take off your sandal, and as you gave that sandal to the other man, it was confirming that you are giving over your right. What was yours is now officially and rightfully mine. And Boaz continues even more to make it even more official. In verse 9, he looks at the elders and the people and he says, you are my witnesses. At the end of that speech in verse 10, he says, you are my witnesses. And then again, the author of Ruth makes sure to confirm for us, the elders and the people agree in verse 11, we are witnesses. An official transaction. And with that, everyone being collected, the offer fully on the table, the refusal by the other Redeemer, the custom of the sandal, and all of these witnesses, it's official. The right to redeem Ruth and Naomi is Boaz's. He has the right to bring back the name of the dead. And that is exactly what Boaz does. Unlike this other redeemer, Boaz is willing to redeem this family without personal and financial gain. But he does it out of mercy and love and sacrifice. And that is our second point this morning. Not only is this redemption and change official, but it comes at a cost. It's sacrificial. Unlike the other redeemer, Boaz sees the land. But he ultimately sees two needy widows. And he is ready to redeem them. He buys all that belong to Elimelech and buys Ruth as a wife in order to perpetuate the name of the dead. So that the name of the dead may not be cut off. 
so that the name still has a place among his brothers. And, and at the gate of his land, two of the most central blessings of the whole Old Testament, Boaz desires that Ruth and Naomi can continue in the family of God and in the home of God. And as Boaz has gone out to seek this other guy to make sure that he will decline, Ruth and Naomi's identities now have fully changed. They've gone from poor widows outside of the promised land, having no hope for their future, now being given back the name that had ceased. Ruth is given a husband and hope for children. They're given a name and a place at the table. They have a claim on the, on the promises of God. But none of this could have happened without Boaz's self-sacrifice. This change in identity and restoration of the name being brought into the family all comes at a cost. And Boaz is absolutely, totally willing to give up whatever it takes to redeem them. He isn't worried about the financial loss. Money is nothing to Boaz compared to love. Boaz has one gain, gain, one goal and one aim. He wants Ruth. As Ruth was fully committed to clinging to Naomi, Boaz now is willing to do whatever it takes to continue in her presence. Boaz will do whatever it takes to redeem these ladies. And as he does redeem them, we see this change in identity and how it is beneficial. We realize how little Boaz really did give up in order to bring these women into the family. Because of all the true and abiding blessings that this relationship's relationship comes with. It begins with a blessing about having lots of children. From the people and the elders in verses 11 and 12, that their house be like Rachel and Leah, two women who were both previously barren, just like Ruth as she had been married previously with no children. These are the wives of Jacob who were two of the mothers of the twelve tribes of Israel. Not only is the blessing that they would have many children, but also that they would be famous. As they act worthily like Ephrathah, remember that is the specific clan of Elimelech, they pray that they would now be renowned in Bethlehem. May the name be echoed throughout the land. And the final part of this blessing comes from Genesis as well. They say, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tabor, Tamar bore to Judah. You'll remember from Genesis 38 that Tamar is the daughter-in-law of Judah. And it's easy to see the connection between Tamar and Ruth, both waiting for someone to take the right of the Leverite duty for a family. And both Perez and Ruth are mentioned in Matthew 1, both being a part of the line of King Jesus. And the second blessing in this chapter comes from the woman in the city. That's in verses 14 and 15. And these are towards Naomi. This is after the marriage and the birth of her grandson. And they say, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may His name be renowned in Israel. Their, their prayer was that this grandson of Naomi would be a restorer of life and a nourisher in her old age. Surely, as this grandmother holds this baby, 
her emptiness has been filled. And they praise God again for Ruth, who loves Naomi more than seven sons. The people can't help but praise God because of all the blessing that they see in this relationship. Boaz has totally changed the identity of these women. There's so many good promises of joy and peace and promise as they begin this relationship, especially compared to their identity before being poor and needy widows. But not only do the elders and the women shower these blessings upon this marriage and this children, but of course, this identity change means that finally Ruth and Boaz can be married. Verse 13 says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Ruth has gone from a foreign widow to being married to a godly man and having a baby. Remember, Ruth has already been married, but she never had a child. But all of a sudden, right after, it seems as if immediately after this wedding, Ruth conceives and bears a son. We know the blessing, the overwhelming blessing of not only a relationship and a marriage, but a child. Just like that, not only is she officially a part of God's people and having the family and the land, but with this baby and with this marriage, she already is enjoying the blessings of being part of God's people. And that is something to celebrate. And the women give this baby a name, and they name him Obed, which means servant. And Obed was the father of Jesse, who fathered David. Once again, the selflessness and the giving and the service led to exaltation. Their name has been re- become renowned already by the time Ruth is written. Ruth has gone from a foreign widow to the great-grandmother of a king. Boaz officially weds himself to Ruth. And we see Boaz go through all of this in order to bring life to the name of the deceased. He transformed the family name of Naomi and Ruth from death into life, from stranger and rebel to precious and belonging. And because of this change, they are so incredibly blessed, all because of this great love. Well, I'll ask you again, what is your name? And who are you? And most, what is most essential to your identity? If you are a believer, then you are in Jesus. If you've given your whole life to Him, then He has fully changed every part of you. In His bringing you to Himself, in Him uniting you to Him, He has changed your name forever. The question is, are you living in the light and in the joy? Are you enjoying and thanking God because of your new identity in Him? Or are you still trying to make a name for yourself? Are you still trying to give value to yourself? 
I warn you that if you are trying to give value to yourself, if you are trying to make your own name for yourself, then you will always fail. You'll notice in verse 1 and throughout this chapter that this other Redeemer is never named. In verse 1, Boaz calls him friend. This word is specifically used to keep a name out of Scripture, whether it's a city or, in this instance, an individual. We we can think of Boaz saying, hey, bud, or, or hey, guy. And while this man was working as hard as he could, to keep his own name and his own inheritance, his name is absolutely lost. He lived for himself and his name ceased. This morning you can be like this nobody and you could try to make a name for yourself or you can embrace and enjoy what Christ offers to you. No matter where you are at this morning, you've never thought of Jesus or if you've always been running away from him, he has a beautiful offer for you. Believe on the name of the Lord and he will change everything about who you are. He will cast aside your sins and your failings and he will be your righteousness and your blessedness and he will be your reward. He will love you with an everlasting love. Friends, receive the name of Jesus as He is offered to you. And once you have received the name of being a beloved child of God, no longer live. Don't live anymore or orient your life around the things that are associated with you being a nobody and a rebel and an outcast. Why would you use your job in order to give yourself worth when Jesus has already died on the cross for your sins, giving you more worth than you could ever imagine? Why would you beat yourself down over and over, repeating your own sins to you, thinking of yourself as a weak and a helpless sinner, when Christ has died for you, and in His death you have died, and in His life you live? Why would you try, in this existence, all that you can to have people like you and think that you are cool when Jesus loves you and cherishes you and smiles down upon you? Because of what Christ has done, our whole identities have changed. From being in the family of death to being into the family of life. And even though at times you are tempted to think less of who you are, this declaration of you, Jesus' declaration of who you are in Him, always trumps your weak thoughts and feelings. Jesus did all of this for you at an excruciating cost. He gave His life for you to make your identity change. He hung on the cross to change you from being a rebel to being loved. He did this to overwhelmingly bless you so that as a child of the King, you can have peace. As a child of the King, you can have love. As a child of the King, you can enjoy peace. And you can enjoy joy. 
The Lord speaks to you this morning, and he says, enjoy the name that I have given to you. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Live your life not seeking a name, but resting in the name that Christ has spoken over you. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and we thank you. Lord, in Adam, we were so dead. Rebels, we hated you. We were outcasts. Because of Adam and because of our own sin and rebellion and our hatred of you. And yet, Lord, because of your great love, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that he could redeem us change our names, change everything about who we are, change our goals and our values, our desires, what we're looking forward to. Lord, you've changed everything about us. And yet, Lord, we still so often think of our old selves, our old names. We live as if we're dead. Lord, help us. Help us to live as alive childs, children of the King, with all the blessings that you have before us. We pray so in Jesus' name. Amen.